Marilyn made. Be who you are. Do what you want. The podcast. Brought to you by the number one student athlete development program in the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Marilyn Made Podcast. It's the one and only Risa Lovelace serving as your host today. The Marilyn Made Podcast provides timely, relevant, and practical information to empower student athletes to explore their potentials and pursue their passions. I'm super excited to jump into this conversation today. We have a very special guest joining us to discuss leadership as a concept, as a journey, and as a practice. Everyone join me in welcoming Charles Harley, the Director of Character and Leadership Development for Maryland Football. I've had the pleasure of working with Harley over the last few months and have seen how his influence has really assisted our football student athletes growth and development. Harley has been very instrumental in bridging the gap between the overall work that the Maryland made student athlete development team and all the resources and programming that football has for its student athletes. So let's start this conversation off, Harley. Introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on your story and how you got to Maryland. Okay, first of all, thanks for that introduction. I'm wondering, do I send a check to you or what, what is, who gets paid for that? Uh, <laughs> I didn't know who you were talking about for a while there, but again, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Uh, my story is very unique. Uh, I'm born and raised in Prince George's County. Other than my time in the United States Marine Corps, which I'm a proud Marine, mm-hmm. I've done pretty much in this area. I went to high school in the county. I went to school at University College and graduated in Coldfield House. So my office is basically 30 feet from where I graduated from college. Uh, I'm a member of the world's greatest fraternity, Omega Sapphire Fraternity Incorporated. Um, how I got here? Well, I was I was a youth coach some years. I've been fortunate to kind of meet good people and be good by people, I guess, because I never wanted to be a coach. And someone asked me to work, start, help their team for one week. And that's 30 years ago and one week's never ended. Mm-hmm. Then I went to high school coaching and I, the whole time I was in corporate America. And I also do a executive, executive protection. And even that I kind of stumbled into someone saw me somewhere and, and thought I had a look and thought I seemed serious and, uh, and, and could do a job. And th- I got there and the same here. I've known Coach Locke for a long time. And we've always talked about me and him doing work together. And I've been offered jobs at other places in college football, Vanderbilt, Penn State, uh, Bowie yeah. State. And then an opening came up and I uh, threw my name in the hat and kind of we got to get back together. Something we had been talking about for a long time. So that's the short version of how, how I'm here. So you touched on something really quickly, which I think is unique about probably your background more than maybe other folks I know in athletics is like this, you said Marine Corps, right? Yes, um, and, and and having that background and maybe if you want to, can you give us a little bit more about like maybe some of the correlations you see between how Marine Corps runs and how athletics runs and why that is bridging the gap maybe for how our football student athletes here are moving forward? Well, both of them, you have to have a plan. Uh, with anything in leadership, you have to have a plan in the Marine Corps. They're always a plan. We know the mission going into it. And same thing in college football whether it's practice, I can show you our practice plan down to the minute we know what we're going to do mm-hmm. and then executing the plan and then knowing when you need to deviate. And I think my town Marine Corps helped me understand Though we have a great plan at times. Sometimes things don't go the way it's planned. You have to have the ability, the flexibility to veer off course and pick it back up somewhere else. Yeah, I think that's really important. You're probably the only other person I know. I have another friend who's an academic advisor at another institution who has that same background and you can see how he runs is also how his department runs. And I think it's just unique because we often look at athletics from a corporate perspective, but I also love this tie-in of the armed forces and how it helps us. So let's jump into, again, just adding to your philosophy of leadership. So in athletics, we often throw this word around 
leadership. We talk about student athletes all have this ability to do this. But what does leadership truly mean to you? And how have you developed that over the years based off of the experiences that you've had? Great question. Uh, leadership to me, I always say, I've said this for a while. I don't know if I stole it, but I've said it so long, that you manage things and you lead people. So people get that confused sometimes. You can be great at putting a plan together for practice or we're going to do this or even for travel. But then it comes down to it. You got to lead the people. So, you know, manage things, lead people. And you got to be, be where your feet are. You got to be grounded and, and, willing, and willing to get muddy. And as I go, if I, when I get excited, I talk fast. If I start talking fast and say, coach, slow down. But that, really, that's it for me. You know, lead people the way you want to be led and understand, you know, be sympathetic. You know, it's always we know what the mission is more often than not, but understand sometimes again you have to slow down and, and get where your team is. And I think even even when you're a player, you know, it's easy to say we shouldn't be smoking or drinking, but yet you got you got the beer in your hand. So mm -hmm. how well are you leading it at that point? Another thing I say uh saying amount I've always said is I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. So you can tell mm -hmm. me all you need about what I should be doing, show me how it should be done, and I'll follow that. As good a leader I think I am, I think I'm even a better follower because if you put me, I could work for you. If you put me in under somebody who leads well, I'll be the best follower in the world. I won't need to lead. But you put me in a situation where the person leading me is weak, just being honest, I'm always going to either leave it or do it myself. Mm. So ugh, you just hit me with all of these nuggets. So followership is something that we often talk about in our leadership academy. And when I first threw it out there, coaches were like, well, why are we talking about followership as it relates to a leadership academy? Now, I, I find like it's very important because everyone can't be mm -hmm. in a driver's seat, but you can have a whole bunch of followers who you, as you mentioned, like have the same mission at the core. Mm -hmm. And so, at, you know, you're working with probably like 120 student athletes. So like, again, you probably have a small group of leaders and then a whole bunch of followers and everybody knows their role. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you see that playing out, like the followership play out um, within your student athletes that you're working with day to day? As you said, like you may have a position group where you have two or three wide receivers who are really alpha males, and it calls for that mentality at different times. So we all can't be the guy doing the rah-rah speech or trying to do other things or leading. So sometimes you got to fall and follow that guy and be his best, uh, his Robin, you know, not that mm -hmm. it makes you any less of a player or a man, but sometimes we don't need all those voices at the same time. And you can actually, you know, or even with the coaches, because Coach Locks is a strong alpha male. We don't need everybody trying to be him. You know, uh, follow, get in, where you, get in where you fit in and help us lead the team by following strong leadership. Yeah, and, and speaking of Coach Locks, I, I watch a lot of college football and I really love the way that he does this, like how he leads this team. And so thinking about this expansive career that you've had, who would you say are some of the influential leaders that have been in your life, whether co closely connected or people you've looked at from a distance, um, and why they've been influential leaders for you? Well, start with my dad. My dad, when I say leader, wasn't like a guy who gave me a bunch of quotes and stuff like that, but it goes back to what I said. I, I, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. My father went to work every day. My mom and dad, to this day, they, they've been married 58 years. He went to work mm -hmm. every day one time. He didn't, he didn't, when the guy took off work a lot, except to go on family vacations. And the years I lived at home, you know, from the time I was born to my early 20s, I can't remember more than one or two arguments my mom and dad had. So for me, that was a great example of leadership, just showing what a man should be. Then when I was in the Marine Corps, I met some really good guys who just guys who were leaders who, no matter what, always had always had the had the the team would follow no matter what. Coach Locks is that type of guy because you watch. I've known Coach Locks a long time, and it's my first time being this close to him. I've coached high school football for a while, and I wouldn't say I was a screamer, but I was really intense on the sideline. 
if you watch us play, and I always ask him, how do you do it? Because there are times I know he is, he wants to explode because we've gotten some really bad calls, but you don't see it. And I asked him about it. He yeah. said, I just know cameras on me and I got to be a better leader then. If I start exploding, having all these emotions, then what do you say now when Johnny football guy goes out there and, and you know, does something really bad? What can mm -hmm. you say if, if you exhibited that same behavior? Yep. I mean, again, there are a lot of correlations in between what, you're, what you've said already is like, y'all have to be the influences in how you act and not mm -hmm. just what you say. I think oftentimes in, in sports and, and sometimes I guess in life too, we're often listening and watching how people react to certain things instead of saying, wow, maybe I do need to take a step back and look at everybody that's looking at me, at looking at me, not just my athletes that are looking at me, right? Um, and, and you're right, he does have this very calm, cool demeanor that I don't know that I could have on a sideline as somebody who has had an opportunity to coach like youth sports. Um, and I, I coached my niece's basketball team a few years ago. And you're right, there are moments that I just wanted to yell at everybody. And I'm like, these are 13 and 14 year olds. Like, I don't want to exhibit that because then they think that that's okay. So maybe even doing a classroom setting, right? And I, I, again, I think it's beyond just how they react on the field. But like, if y'all aren't as coaches showing up on time, maybe students don't feel like they need to show up on time to class. Yep, absolutely. The the, the days of do as I say, not as I do are over. Like we, you know, I'm a little older than you, but and not that my parents did that, but a lot of back in those days was do as I say, not as I do. You know, don't smoke cigarettes as you smoke a cigarette. That type of thing. Growing up, these kids these days ain't going for that. You can't tell them don't be this, but you're you're you tell them don't be you lose credibility and respect from your team yeah gen z is definitely different um and so speaking of gen z um thinking about the positions you've held working with student athletes right you talked about high school sports been in the marine corps now you're here on college campus what made you decide you know to have this type of career path and do these jobs where you have such a influence on young people well, that's kind of simple. Well, my dad was a coach. Again, watching my dad, so he's always coaching. Our home, we always had kids in our home. I come home from the Marine Corps. I couldn't use my room because you'd have kids that stand there, him and my mom. But when I was in high school, I was a pretty good player, but I didn't get recruited the way I thought I should have. And then my brother came after me. He was a really good player, and he didn't. Same high school. Mm -hmm. So when I started in the coaching, the first thing I wanted to do was provide opportunities for young men to get a, to get, get, get to college. And then I was at Fordsville High School. He was kind of in the hood, so to speak. In my first eight year, years, I spoke at more funerals of my former players wow. than I went to graduations. So it was sad. You know, I had one player kill another player. So so I realized those young men needed something in their lives. So I don't smoke a drink. Well, I smoke cigars now, but <laughs> I digress. Don't smoke a drink. And I make it, made it important not to be uh, – my wife, my wife and my family are a part of everything I do. Uh, so I thought I, just doing those things, I just thought those kids needed to see that. And I kind of get, kept getting chosen to do some of these things. Even didn't want to be a mm -hmm. high school coach. And a principal kind of forced my hand. Uh, we had a coach leave and she asked me to be an interim, knowing full well she wouldn't be the head coach. And then <laughs> I've just been fortunate, you know, to one, I just see, I just want better for young kids, especially young kids of color, if I can keep it a brick who don't get the same chances. Mm -hmm. I had a mom and dad that, so I ended up, I still ended up going to college, but I went to the Marine Corps first, but I didn't have the leadership or the guidance to help me through the process. So I wanted, that's why I initially got into the space. And as time went on, even when I went to a privilege, I went to the landing school with tuitions over $40,000 a year. And I realized those wow. kids want to be led as well. So I, always, I thought it was just going to be a thing for the kids in a, in, in a lower economic situation. Mm -hmm. but even there, they needed that guidance, and et cetera. Well, and, and speaking of young people, but I know you have two sons who are playing college 
college uh, football. And do you often think about like the influence that you're leaving on them as they even are creating their journey through through this sport um, and beyond? And have you seen some of your influence in them as they are working with their teammates? Absolutely. Uh, my sons are, they're funny, they're polar opposites, but they're best friends. Even when I took this job, Coach Loxley afforded me an opportunity, I said, for me to come here, I have to have the ability to see my sons play. My oldest son plays at Elon University. And then at that time, my youngest son was playing at Villanova. And he decided to bet on himself. He came here, he kind of part of was part of it. Oh. I'm in a bigger conference, and he wanted to be around his dad. So just watching them and their leadership styles, and uh, I see a lot of me in them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important. And I think, you know, again, outside looking in, to have such a strong person like you around this team, and then to have your son feel like, I want to be in my dad's space and I want to, you know, come to the University of Maryland, like you said, and bet on myself. There's even influence in, in those decisions that go beyond just Maryland football because I think other student athletes can see that too. And like, you know, sometimes it is like that bet on yourself mentality because you know that the people outside of specifically the football program can help change the trajectory of your life. Right. And I think, again, that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast because I'm seeing that, just in like the amount of football student athletes that come down our hallway now and are like, hey, you are X, Y, and Z and you can help me do, you know, this. I think that's that's really helpful. And so as I kind of pivot the conversation to some of the things that, you know, my unit is able to do for our student athletes, we do host a, a leadership academy in the spring um, because we do know that there is this possibility that students can learn how to be leaders outside of sports. So when you think about developing levels of leadership within, you know, the team that you work with, what does that look like for you? Say that one more time. I want to make sure I understand correctly. Yeah. So, so, so typically in teams, right, we have either captains or we have a leadership council and then we have everybody else. So when mm -hmm. thinking about how levels of leadership are created within a sport, how, how do you all come up with those concepts and, and what does that look like for you all? So, it's great because you right. We have captains, we have leadership council, and a lot of and so that only encompasses the whole team. In fact, in fact, only a fraction of the team. But a lot of it is emotional intelligence. Kids understanding where they are um, and how they how they are affects others. So what I tell kids that we all can't be captains, you all can't be leaders, but you got to be the best version of you because if you 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 see another guy lead, you think I'm gonna try that. Eventually, you may get a shot, and it won't be natural to you. That's not you. And again, to go yeah. back to see a sermon, I'd rather see one to hear one. So if you want to be a leader on this team, you don't have to have the loudest voice. But if kids know consistently that our kids are practicing on time, because they kids see it. They see he does all these drills on time. He takes it to heart what Coach says. If he says, uh, be here or wear this a certain way, it's, it's consistent. And you would think with 120 kids, a lot of them can slip through the cracks, and some do, perhaps. Yeah. But we see a lot of them, and their teammates see it. As time goes on, you start hearing teammates come in and, and recognize another teammate. Coach Johnny is a real, does a really good job of X, Y, and Z because he's consistent at it. If you're flip-flopping around and one day you're this way, one day that you're that way, then that, it, the chances are great you could get overlooked. Yeah, emotional intelligence is huge, right? So last year, um, when we put out our applications for the Leadership Academy, we allowed the students to pick what topics they wanted to learn, right? And I, I found it so interesting because often I'm hearing coaches have one mindset or what they think leaders should look like and through our student-athletes lens. But then the students are saying, but this is the type of leader I, I want to be, or this is the type of education I want. Um, and so last year, we did touch on emotional intelligence. We talked about followership and conflict management. Um, what are other topics that you feel like, from your perspective, that our student-athletes 
still need to focus on, still need to learn? And why would you say some of those are most important? Probably the biggest one in my mind was, and I don't know how to word this, uh, uh, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Sometimes your mm. teammates are going to put you in situations or do things, whether it be on the field and practice in the dorm, where you got to stand on, you got to stand up and say something. And too many times guys go along for the ride and they know this ain't right or know this could harm the team. The the, the better leaders on the team are the ones who are don't, not necessarily don't care, but aren't worried in the moment how their teammates feel about them when they deal with something that may be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think you get a lot of cash saying early on, you may, oh, he's a snitch. But I think in time when they realize, if you're doing it to hurt the guy who plays your position so you can play more, people see through that. But if you're saying something that makes sense for the whole team, and that's where guys start off the snitch thing, then eventually they always realize, well, that was actually better for the team that he said that. And so I want guys who are comfortable being uncomfortable at times, and sometimes just giving it, keeping it real with your teammates. You know, that's not what we're about here, simply <laughs> saying that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard, right, because you want to, in some ways, be the guy, right, that it, that has influence on the team by also being the guy who's maybe the star athlete. But I think, you know, I've seen in my – 13 years of this is often the guys who aren't the star players who are really good leaders mm -hmm. because, you know, at, at the end of the day, maybe sometimes they don't have something to lose. And so they can shut down certain conversations that are happening within a locker room setting. Um, I had a former football player at a previous institution who had an LGBTQ uh, sister, mm -hmm. but he was hearing all this language in the locker room mm -hmm. and it offended him mm -hmm. and he shut it down. And I often think like, not just in football, but in athletics in general, like it took a lot of courage to me of that student to say, hey, like, I know I'm not the star quarterback or the star wide receiver, but like this is offending me and I need y'all to stop, which then created a better culture on the team, right? Yeah. Some of the things you're saying. Yep. I think that's so huge to me. Yep, cultural and social awareness. You just can't, you know, spew off the mob, say what you want to say and, and without understanding how it affects others. And sometimes you can, but you got to be willing, like, like having blind spots. We all have blind yep. spots. And just like blind spots, you drive down the road, you're using driving as an analogy. Driving down the road, you look you look in your mirror, you don't see anything, just like a blind spot. You don't see it, you don't realize you have this, but if you try to get over it, the person you're, who, who's affected has two options. He can let you keep on coming on, you can have a crash, or he can alert you. And then what do you do when you get alerted? And a car is the, it's a horn to alert you. In real life, it may be, hey man, this, this bothered me. And now you got a choice. Do I correct the action? Or do I keep on going into that bad lane where it's, it could very well be it could be, it could all blow up in pieces. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's so many things that, you know, our students are being thrown right now. And then you add this layer on it, right? And all the complexities that, that can happen with being a leader. Um, what are some of the challenges you would say maybe keep students from wanting to be leaders, right? Or keeping them from using the, the influence they have whether a leader or not, like what are some of those challenges that our students are facing right now? Want to be cool? It's easier like right now, like if you don't say that scenario you said there, if he says nothing, he goes on with the joke. He laughs and plays with it. Then, oh, he's cool. But, and I think that's the biggest challenge I see. Guys wanting to fit in, like I don't want to rock the boat. I'm really, I'm, you know, I'm new here. I'm, all these guys like me. Uh, you know, I'm about to start playing now. If I say this, if I tell a coach that coach, I'd rather yeah. not say that, you know, what does that do for me in a depth chart? I think some of them mm -hmm. Being uncomfortable, get out. Some the old term we always used to say: some kids are too cool for school. Some mm -hmm. like go along with the with the with the wave, then swim upstream and, and cause a chasm. Or I mean, cause a situation where people feel uncomfortable. But I, that's the biggest thing I see is wanting to fit in and wanting to be liked. So, how do we move them 
from from being uncomfortable to getting comfortable with shaking things up like i know obviously you've worked with a ton of young folks how have you seen some of them move the needle from being in this uncomfortable zone about whatever is happening to the comfort zone and saying i'm just gonna have to rock the boat a little bit how how we how do we do that for me it happened like after like george floyd and it's kind of a tangent but uh realizing that people you I, I just tell my students where I came from. You can say anything you want to me, like whether, whether it's BLM or whatever. You can talk about it badly. You can say you hate it. You just can't say it. Um, you, it's to how you say it. Mm-hmm. I encourage student athletes who do, or I coach, I lead, to, to be open. Say what you feel. Just be, be careful how you present it. You can't say F BLM, mm-hmm. all right? But you tell me you can't stand it. It makes no sense. We can have a conversation. Yep. And I think the leaders in these different situations, whether it's your team or organization, if you make it, you let all the people work for you or under you know that. I'm open to talk about anything. It just depends on how you present it. You come, you mm-hmm. can't come to me on 10, spewing all kinds of hate and curse words, but you can say anything you want to me. We can debate it. We can, and let's open it up and let's have a discussion together. And I think a lot of times Coach Locks does a good job here of saying to the young fellows, you know, you got a problem, say it. Come come see me, no matter what it is. But too many times we got closed door policies at places where you know mm-hmm. the coach ain't going to be down for you saying something contrary to winner or you saying something that, you know, you know, as you talk about LGBTQ, you know, some coaches don't want to, don't even want to broach that. They don't want to have no discussions about that. When you got a coach, you know, you know, it opens the door and says, whatever you want to talk about, you can. It makes it easy for young fellas, or young people, dare I say, mm-hmm. to come in and want to have a conversation and feel comfortable knowing, okay, whatever said, whatever I say here or in this space ain't going to come back around to have a, a profound impact on me in a negative way. Yeah. I mean, I, again, everything you just said is is also thinking about like, we're preparing them for their social awareness beyond just the institution that they're currently at. But like, if they transfer, like, how do they take that with them there? When they go off into their careers, how do we, how are we setting them up for success, no matter where they are, that they're comfortable with in who they are and that they can have the toolkit to go have some of these social awareness conversations, I think is really huge. And like, maybe something we don't talk about coach to coach and like I would love to see us like expand that piece right so we often talk about building student leaders this is also a part about building leaders amongst even staff sometimes absolutely but I think the best thing you do Marilyn and what you do specifically I think the partnership is the greatest because in football a lot of times we, we're so worried it's not a bad thing we're worried about when we're worried about what we need to do so we see things a certain way that you guys come in and have a different perspective altogether. And the mm-hmm. fact that coach is willing to have Maryland made be in the cafeteria once a week or whatever it is, that gives kids a different way of a different lens to look through. And I think that's the biggest thing I've seen so far in our interactions. Now kids coming down, yeah. so to speak, is they get a d- different lens. We have a mentor program. You have a mentor program. And it's not, we're not fighting over what you got to do. You got to do one another. I think that helps these kids just see the broaden their rods. Like, wow, there's more than one way to do this same thing. Exactly, exactly. And again, I think about, you know, we, we, we're we both Prince George's County kids, right? Like we grew up in this area where Maryland sits in, and you're right, like this is a historically uh, Black county, right? And, and thinking about just the influences that we are now able to give back to our, I guess, quote unquote, state institution in, in our backyard. And I think us being able to influence the young black and brown students that we're working with in in this concept or this idea, I think it's really helpful that trickles out to the younger folks and maybe they are looking at Maryland as a top place to come because they're seeing all of these people outside of their coach who are going to help them in life. And I think that reverberates to their parents as well, which you and I often see a lot of parents as they come in 
on these recruiting visits and how, you know, that's important for some of them to see the reflections outside of just the coaching staff. Absolutely. So here's my favorite time where you get to give me some advice. Well, just give our listeners some advice, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing you would tell a student athlete who might be struggling to find their voice on the team or their place on the team, what would you tell them? We kind of kind of what I said earlier. First, you got to know yourself, what you want out of the conversation, what you want from the team, and what's your strengths and your weaknesses. Not, not everybody's a rah-rah guy. If you think I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy who leads us out of the tunnel, I'm gonna be the guy that's breaking the team down. If that ain't your thing, it ain't your thing. You still can find other ways uh, to lead the team or to be involved in the team. Be true to yourself, be an authentic teammate, be willing to listen as you are to speak. A lot of times we all we're all willing to say something, say our part. When it's time for us to sit back and listen, I struggle with, it, 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 with that at times as well. When it's time to listen, it, it becomes harder. So I would say to uh, be strong in your convictions, but be willing to listen when things aren't the way you want them to be. And, and, and find out, ask questions, why are we doing it this way? I think that goes mm -hmm. along in our locker room. The kids that are quieter, but are willing to stand on their When they get an opportunity, they step in that breach and, and have something to say without forcing or trying to be loud. If you're not a screamer, you're not a loud guy, don't be that. Because people think you're phony. But when, you, when you're... Mm -hmm. When you're your authentic self over time, people say, oh, that's what he really is. They understand. Yeah, I'm a person who probably sits back and listens too much. Um, but I like to ask the question why it never hurts, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now thinking about the peer-to-peer -peer influence that you have too, right? So what is a piece of advice maybe you want to share with younger coaches or younger in, in, um, administrators about how they should show up and influence these behaviors of our next generation? Be where your feet are and do what you say. I mean, again, you can't tell the kids to be on time and, you know, about how dress code and profanity, the language, and you're still mm -hmm. using all kinds of crazy language around them that just don't 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 fare well. Uh, and even respect amongst peers. You, you see too many times and sometimes the coaches, coach been around X amount of years, so he thinks he's got one up. He can talk to young coach any kind of way or mm -hmm. even some support staff. What you see a lot in college football is the way people talk to support staff. Some of the mm -hmm. younger coaches, GAs are trying to find the business. And I just find that. Highly distasteful when I see guys. Not not that we've had that problem right here, but when I see it, I yeah. say so. And Coach Loxley does a good job of, you know, make sure everybody understands that we all should be respecting each other the same around here. But I think peer to peer, just remember if, if you're an older person or been in that career longer, that job longer, whatever it may be, and you see the young lad that was you one time, remember how you felt when you were in those ways and, mm -hmm. and what you thought would help you do a better job. At the end of the day, if we're all on the same team, we should all be wanting to go the same way. You can't be worrying about is this guy a gal or this person trying to get my job. You know, we're here. We, we're doing this. Let's do this. You're absolutely right about that. And I think that a lot of what you said is why I think I lead my staff the way that I do, right, is that I remember some of those behaviors as supervisors of past. And I'm like, I don't want to be that person. Like, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that you figure out if this is the industry that you want to work in, that you figure out that there is way there are ways to to build community um, as being a person of color in this industry where, you know, from an administrator standpoint, we're still trying to, to get in some of these um, athletic director seats or these senior level administrator seats. I think a lot of what you said even still resonates with me as I continue to think about how I show up and how I lead my team day to day. I think it's very important. So, well, I got one more. You have something else? One thing. Yeah, I used to say, and I haven't said as much here, but I used to tell my team this and people thought it was weird, but I'm not going to treat you all the same. Yeah. We are going to, it's going to be fair, but we're not going to treat you all the same. Some people have, particularly in sports, like as an analogy yeah. I use with basketball, Allen Iverson. If Allen Iverson plays for you, hopefully your, your, your listeners know who Allen Iverson is. You know he's <laughs> going to turn the ball over X amount of times a game. You, that part of the game. 
But you also know for every turnover he's got, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna balance the stat sheet somehow with with either points, turnover, create some turnovers himself, assist, etc. Et so I'll tolerate Allen Iverson from the ball out a little bit more because I know uh, I know what the the net net may be. Yep. I can't. So we all are gonna have that. I'm not gonna have that. I only use tolerance. Maybe not the word, but mm-hmm. we're all not gonna be treated the same. But we all gonna be treated fairly. So yep. never start a conversation with well Johnny did. You don't know why Johnny left early last week. You may not know Johnny came in early, but Johnny may already mm-hmm. have discussed with me. So I used to tell all my, my young lads, and he's my young coach when I was a head coach. So don't don't get this notion that we're all going to do the exact same thing. Yep. And once we decide the direction we're going, again, that's followership. But once we decide we're doing it, we're doing it. We don't want anyone to hear a bunch of why, why not once we get started. There's a time and place for the questions, and I'm all for having all the questions you want, but not when we've already decided this we're going to do it. And now the good idea fairy shows up. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that last piece because I, I, it is true, right? We're all I, we're all watching each other, mm-hmm. right? And we all want the same, but the same may not be what it is, right? Um, and so I, I think that was a really important piece to to, to lay out for our listener today. Mm-hmm. Um, let's learn a little bit more about you in this rapid fire. Now, I'm typically not a fan of rapid fire because I can't <laughs> think go on my feet sometimes. Okay, so cool. we're gonna test this out with you. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. First one. Favorite football stadium you've ever been to? Easy. You can see it out the window there. Oh, CQ Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Where we're going to be rocking soon. We're yep. doing really great this year. So I appreciate that. CQ Stadium. All right. Favorite thing about football game day? Man, being in the Marine Corps, so we used to go to the field. It's like, it's almost, it's, it's, uh, how can I explain it? I don't ever compare things to war. It's like uh, the mindset of going to, to prepare for. Don't, don't I say? Don't want to say battle. It's just it is complete locked in. So our whole team. Mm-hmm. So from the morning we get up, so we get up. If we play at three o'clock, we have team meal at eight or nine o'clock. Uh, if we play at three o'clock, we'll have um, breakfast at eight, and we have team meal at ten thirty, eleven o'clock. No one's joking. Everybody's in coat and tie. It's very mm-hmm. quiet in there. We are so locked in. It's just. It's like. The hair is standing on my on my body, not much hair up here, but on my body standing <laughs> the entire time. But just the complete focus and locked in, it's almost like 120 guys on the same page, ready to go do the mm-hmm. same thing. And then to walk down that tunnel, they have loud music blaring. It's just, it's hard to explain, but my favorite part of game day is just the overall preparation of it and just the locked inness mm-hmm. that our team goes through. I love it. Um, let's talk about, you, you do a lot of things here for our student athletes and for our department. What's maybe one of the fa- your favorite things you get to do every day? Well, you know, I like to have fun. One, I have not had a bad day since I've been here. I enjoy coming to work every day. I don't get up thinking, oh, my God. And the funny thing is we spend a lot of hours here. I don't think twice. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the most enjoyable part of the day for me is I don't really like practice. It's weird because I've been a coach for 30 years and now I don't coach. So practice, I find myself walking around talking to myself. But I love the pre-practice and post-practice because I like to joke a little mm-hmm. bit and just getting to talk to the kids about what's going on in their lives. You know what I mean? So my favorite part of the day is getting to spend some time with the kids, just kind of mm. sometimes with nothing, no agenda. I'm just sitting in the mud room. They come in and we get, they sit down, we just start talking about life or joking on one another, yeah. or just a give and take of uh, the kids and some of the staff. I like all the staff, but I'm close with some of the staff got nicknames for them. So guys come by and see me throughout the day. So I enjoy the human interaction with the players and the staff. I love that because, right, we all need a little bit of that. We, we've been in COVID-19 for so many years now, mm-hmm. and there was times where we could do that with one another. Yeah. So it is great to hear that y'all are, are being able to build that camaraderie back. 
Um, what is your favorite current song right now? It ain't current, but it's something I use, you know, this me, my son, uh, William Beckton, Ben Carriage. I don't know if you're familiar with the song. Mm-mm. That song, I was a pleasure in QSFI many years ago. I remember I was at my wit's end and I was in, in my car. So like every time I got in my car, that song came on. It was telling me just to keep going. Then my yeah. son, 20 some years later, he plays my frat and he called me one day. I told him the story. And for some reason, I'd be in my office listening. That song come out, I just send it to him or I just text him. And it kind of became his thing as well. So being cares about Wayne Beckton. I might have to check that out. I might have to yeah. check that. I love music. So um, last rapid fire is what is your favorite quote right now or just in the history? Wow. Probably one of two. One of them I said before, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one. If mm-hmm. you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I like it. So as we start to wrap this conversation up, want to, you know, ask you, how can our listeners support you and also support your team moving forward? Well, come to the stadium. You know, we want to have, you know, we got two home games left. We, we're on the road for the next two weeks. Come to the stadium, purchase tickets, come to the stadium, be loud, uh, be a positive influence in the stadium. And that may sound crazy, but, you know, come there. Don't come there to watch the other team. Come to see us, cheer loudly, and, and wear Maryland gear. I love it. So, you know, before I sign off here, I just want to say from the Maryland Made team, you know, every semester we do host the annual Leadership Academy. If you are a Maryland student athlete interested in gaining some skills to enhance your leadership toolkit, then you should certainly apply. Get the opportunity to collaborate with our staff to select which phases of leadership you'd like to learn about. Our applications open this week, Tuesday, November 8th. So make sure you get your application in. Again, thank you, Coach Harley, for taking the time to speak with me. I know I can speak on behalf of the student athletes and the Maryland May team. We really do appreciate all the work that you do here. And we're excited to see what the future holds, not only for you here in Maryland, but for the influence that you can create on the student athlete experience. So until next time, this is Maryland May. Peace, y'all. Thank you. Have a great one.